Today is July 16th, 2010, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. And this is Jesse Pack, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Jesse. Hi. I'm Mike Benedetti, Brendan Mellican, Good afternoon. Chris Warren, Bruce Russell, Brenda Jenkins scheduled to be on the show today. Couldn't be on the show. I want to talk briefly about what Brenda is up to this weekend, and then other people. We got a lot of a lot of topics this week, guys. Um, there's going to be a peace festival in Worcester on Saturday from noon to eight at the Y. I don't really know what's going to happen at this peace festival, Brendan Mellican. Nothing violent. Nothing violent, presumably. There may be oh, well, there could be illustrations of violence. I don't know, but uh, I think that there might be bands and things. Um, there, uh, the press materials I've read give no hint as to exactly what's going on there. Which is well, why since Brenda's not here, we could just make stuff up. There's going to be lots of elephants, uh, circus clowns, uh, unicorns, all sorts of things. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to have a great time. I bet you there's going to be hip-hop bands. I bet you a dollar there's going to be at least one hip-hop band. Metal gets no respect around here, man. You know what? I don't know, man. Metal and peace, people don't like the combination. Uh, we have so many people on the show today because we have so many topics to talk about besides speculating as to the peace festival. Jesse, I actually want to talk about one news item this week, which is the whole Pharmasphere deal. Um, the what? There you go. So let's start. We'll talk about this, but we'll talk about this towards the end of the show. Um, actually, to, uh, let's, let's actually talk to you about a, a project that you're working on now, Jesse. Ah, uh, yes. What do you got there? The, the Trans Emergency Fund Unbound by Body Fundraiser Calendar for 2011. Can you see that? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, the transgender emergency fund. I believe I was on your show a while ago. You were the. This was the first media outlet to ever talk about the transgender emergency yes, fund. Yes, it was. I believe. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, and so what that is is the TEF, which is short for the Trans Emergency Fund, actually started right here in Worcester. Okay. The first of its kind in the U.S. and, as far as I know, the world. And what okay. it is is it's a small fund of money that's specifically set aside to help low-income transgender people um, with things like rent, utility payments, medication co-pays, and things like that. Uh, because unfortunately, due to discrimination and stigma, approximately 70% of transgender people are living in poverty. Um, so the fund is, set, is in existence to try and alleviate some of the burdens of that economic inequality. So this year, our big fundraiser. In the past, we've done mostly drag shows and some brunches right. at 86 Winter. This year, our main thing is the Unbound by Body calendar. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is obviously it's a calendar, but yes. it features... It's a 2011 calendar. It's 2011. It's oh, wait a second. So it starts in January. Yes. Okay. So it's not like people would buy a <laughs> 2010 calendar halfway through the year. That would kind of suck. <laughs> Um, what, that was actually the first question I got when I told somebody you were doing calendar fundraising starting like now. They were like, wait a second, it's a rip-up, it's a six-month calendar. No, 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 no. No, it's for 2011. The reason we started now is because we wanted it to be out for Pride season, which is in June. Okay. So that's why we released it kind of early for 2011. But it features um, portraits of transgender people from Massachusetts. And okay. I'm actually in it. Here it I is. I am... I'm Mr. October. Where am I? That's September. That's a cool boss. There he is. There I am. It looks just like you. Looks just like me. That's what did you say, Bruce? I said that's a cool October's a cool month. Some people call it Rothtober. Rothtober. In, in honor of David Lee Roth. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> so they're ten bucks. 
all the, all the proceeds. What'd you say, man? Wait, you were, you weren't thinking of David Lee Roth? No, that wasn't what I was thinking. I was thinking that's months of all the scary movies and and, and uh, one of the most unrememberable day of the of the, of the world. What is that? Bankers Day, brother. <laughs> Halloween to you, to me. Yeah, Halloween. <laughs> anyway. I've seen that show too, man. What show? I've seen that show too. What? Halloween. So you're right. saying? Oh yeah. So the <laughs> calendar's ten bucks. All the pennies we raise from the calendar sales go directly into the fund. It's all volunteer basis. The fund. Um, you can buy the calendar online at our website, which is www.tgemergencyfund.org. Only ten bucks. Excellent. Are you going to be selling them in person anywhere around Worcester, or is that the best place, the website? Um, I am going to be selling them around town. Um, I don't have any upcoming events, but they will be on sale at uh, Worcester Pride, which is September 18th. Okay. Kind of a booth, and we're going to be selling them at Transgender uh, Pride, which is in October, but that's going to be in Northampton. Well, awesome. Well, I'm always glad to support the Transgender Emergency Fund. Thanks for being on today. Cool, thank you. Um, Mike, quick question. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, and Jesse confirmed, that this was the first media outlet to uh, cover the emergency fund. Do you consider that to be a good thing? Has that actually worked out for the emergency fund? Or? Yes. Okay, yes. It was a good sure. thing. I would hate to hear that we ruined a good thing. There's, there's, no, more, there's no more charitable audience than the podcast audience. Well, this, it cuts both ways sometimes. There you go. Well, I wanted to actually um, maybe talk about a couple of uh, a couple of. Uh, Let's talk about Brian Goslow walking by. Brian Goslow, where, where is he? Right there. Hey. The TV audience sees a tiny, almost microscopic Brian Goslow because of our lack of a zoom. That's okay. Um, I wanted to actually ask you about two things, Brendan. One is that. For disclosure purposes, we should say you're working on a political campaign. I am. I'm uh, currently employed as of yesterday by the uh, Steve Grossman uh, for Treasurer uh, campaign. So if there's anybody out there who might have some interest in getting involved, feel free to touch base. And from here on out, I don't think we can mention uh, Steve Grossman anymore. No, we may not even talk about the state race for Treasurer, unless we have a massive blowout. Well, you know, there is a local uh, impact, uh, considering that Karen Polito from Shrewsbury is uh, going to be the Republican challenger. So there, there is a, a local component to the whole thing. All right. Well, okay, and the other thing I wanted to just mention was that uh, some news regarding your friend Joe Martin. People will remember that Joe was killed by a police officer in Brazil, and uh, the police officer went up for trial earlier, back in March, and was found not guilty. And now it seems, based on the TNG thing, that there was some sort of gangland-style execution or something of the police officer while he was at, like, a food place or something. Enjoying himself on Governor's Island uh, in Rio. Um, three men walked into the restaurant area that he was at, uh, quietly asked everybody in the restaurant to leave but him, uh, and when he was alone, walked up to him and loaded 15 rounds into him. Uh, reads kind of like a Quentin Tarantino script. Uh, doesn't appear that anybody has any idea where it came from, um, but that's that. So, in terms of appeals for the Martin trial, uh, that looks to have just ended. Uh, although the McGovern folks have made it clear that they are going to continue through the embassy looking for a few documents that uh, supposedly were removed from the police report for the whole incident regarding Joe's death, um, where it looked like they were trying to cover up eyewitnesses and what have you. So the story will continue, uh, just not in the way that the family was hoping for with some form of actual justice for the family uh, in regarding Joe's loss.
Well, it's a violent, violent end to a violent story, I guess. Well, it's really the unfortunate thing. More than anything, it just kind of uh, continues an obvious cycle of violence, and now there's just one more family who lost a loved one, which I don't think makes anybody involved with the, the case happy. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, actually, I wanted to talk briefly about one other article, which is apparently the most read and most commented on article in the TNG yesterday, which is about this girl who is 14 and whose name is not on this piece of paper. No, J Jackie Banfield, 14, trying to hop a train in Worcester, gets her leg cut off by the train. Um, and I think most of the comments were, of course, totally not helpful. Also about you know Worcester being a violent, dangerous city. Not sure how this involves train violence. The home, I know even the trains are violent. Was this is sort of incoherent? Train, I want to train violence. I want to ask. City. I want to ask little Chris though. You've ridden the rails. Yep. You're you've been a hobo. <laughs> Um, well, the spot she actually was trying to hop the train in is the wrong spot. Um, they do not stop there, so oh, no. they were most likely moving when she tried to get on. Um, the spot to get on is in downtown Worcester, and just off of the fact that she was 14, she was probably inexperienced. Um, you know, there, was, there was one of, yeah, I don't know, there, there was a couple pictures of people in the TNG one of them said that, like they thought that they were with her or they had seen it or something. At least one of them didn't look at all like a somebody who was out there tramping. Yeah. Maybe they were just, just drunk and stupid. Probably just kids playing around. Yeah. There's no. a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And they were definitely doing it the wrong so way. So for the kids out there, where's the safe place to hop the train? <laughs> um, I mean, I probably shouldn't say because I'd hate to... People should ask around. Spot. People should ask around. Another great safe place you can catch a train. What's that? Union Station. <laughs> Bruce Russell. Cutting through all the nonsense, cutting through all the hype. How's it going, Bruce? I'm oh, pretty good. How's it going? Uh, 508 Podcast Original. I'm glad you're on the show today. Um, the show goes original, man, brother. There you go. Well, anyway, I, so I just wanted to bring that on there because it seemed like in the article there was a lot of people were talking to the police and they were talking to um, uh, uh, like some of the ambulance guys and whatever who were there. Nobody was like, sort of getting into like the train culture issue, the, the youth hobo whatever yeah. issue. So. Well, Chris, mostly I didn't want to have you on today to talk about this sad story, which got everybody all riled up on the TNG website. Do it was we to talk any, to you. Just what? a thought. I'm sorry. Do we have any like glyphs, like hobo glyphs around here that indicate like where these safe places off the train are? I mean, there there still is like a hobo culture, isn't there, where the people use like you know, sort um, of like glyphs and whatnot to identify yeah, where. Yeah. Um, it's not so much the symbols anymore. It's kind of um, evolved into like a graffiti style. Okay. Um, if you go to Warside Skate Park, mm -hmm. um, you can see a lot of. Uh, Usually it's just a name and like a picture of train tracks. Usually a nickname. Something. I'm not like sure that. we're authorized to talk about Warside Skate Park. All right. Well, so 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 there are there are there are graffitis of this. Yeah. Are they on people's house or they're just like by the tracks? Um no, they're usually by the tracks, um, in places where people get the trains or just where train hoppers hang out. Um, certain cafes, bars, stuff like that. You gonna be like, is it gonna be is it gonna have like names of like places to go hang out or numbers or what kind of info would be there? Um actually sometimes um, on the train tracks people leave advice for people. There's um there's actually a book you can if you're um, involved in the culture you can get your hands on that tells you where trains go and where to catch them. And um, if that's ever wrong sometimes people will leave corrections on electrical boxes by the trains. Oh really? Yeah. Can we call this conversation a derail just for fun? We could say it's been derailed. Okay. It wouldn't be officially derailed unless Bruce Russell is involved. <laughs> I don't want to call this graffiti. Because people are more confused about graffiti than the graffiti area that ever got defeated. Defeated.
Well, Chris, mostly I wanted to have you on to talk about uh, your recent trip to Canada because uh, we've gotten all kinds of feedback about recent shows. Somebody actually didn't like last week's show. We got feedback from one person. They're probably going to hate this week's show more. I don't know. What um, did they like from last week's show? They didn't say. No. I only got the second hand. Well, People should. If you don't like the show, you should email pinecoffee at gmail.com and tell us what to change. You got very thick skin over here. We've got thick skin, and we're always looking for ideas and suggestions. So, what? if you don't like your show, then watch it. No, they should watch it anyway. All right. They can learn. No, they can learn and love it. No, they learn to love it. I wanted to ask you about this trip to Canada because actually one of the positive feedbacks I got in recent weeks was somebody, some total stranger, asking me about how my bike was, and I was like, "How do you even know?" And she's like, "Oh, I watched Five Away." Chris Warren knows about the bike because Chris Warren went to the G20. I actually wanted to, I think that there was some reporting in the TNG about the G20 and the G20 protests in Toronto. I'm still uh, functioning on my TNG embargo, so I would know nothing All right. about that. By the way, they're supposed to be coming up, getting, becoming a pay site soon, right? Which is why Mid-July, I'm any day now. I'm still going to get used to not looking at the, the, the site anymore. So. All right, well. Sorry. Okay, well. You wouldn't have seen all kinds of useful information about um, why this girl who got her leg cut off, you know? I don't know. People were mad at her for getting her leg cut off, basically. Anyway. Sorry. Um, but so a bunch of people from Worcester went down to this G20 thing, though, right? From people from Central Mass, etc. Yeah. Uh, how did that go? Um, well, me and two other Worcesterites, uh, we took a, a car um, across the border to, into Toronto to take part in uh, G20 resistance, mainly the anti-capitalist uh, resistance to it. Okay. And. Um, when we went, we took um, bikes with us. I actually borrowed... Well, you don't have to tell the bike story. You don't have to tell it all at once. All right. You did borrow my bike. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you first about the G20. This is like the 20 largest economies or something have this meeting? It's um, 19 countries, 20 economies. and um, What's the 20th? The 20th is the EU. The European Union so, wait, as a whole. The EU is separate from like England or Italy or something? Yep. That yep. is such baloney. Yeah. How can this be, man? It functions the same way as our economy yeah. does, in a way. It's more of like a Republican setup. So, like, we have 50 state economies, and we have one national economy. Yeah, but it's not like there's... It's not like people who are... It's not like there's literally, like, the senator from Exxon, right? Like, there are, you know, people who are de facto the senator from Exxon, but it's not like you've got, you've got people from 50 states plus... Well, I mean, but our, other what I'm saying is that our economies on the same level are wholly independent from the federal economy, other than being tied together. Oh, okay. So, so, it, so, you, might, so you might have West Virginia... As some sort of right. trade well, agreement the separate EU from the set up US. very similar, where you know the, the success of the EU as an economy is dependent upon the success or the failure of the independent nation states that are right. participating. I don't know. It just bothers me for some reason. Well, anyway, more importantly, we got to figure out the bike. All right. So anyway, so so they got the G20. They're there. They're having a meeting. Uh-huh. People are people are uh, out in the streets. Yeah. There was a a week a week long of protests leading up to the G20 and the 26th was the big day um, in the week they had uh, people over profit um, trans and queer rights native rights environmental justice like a theme a day um, yeah it was a theme a day every, a march every day and then um, the 26th was the big day um, about I think they put it at about 20,000 people took place about um, 2,000 people broke away from that to try and um, march to the fence and tear it down and um, they abandoned that plan and uh, kind of moved on to the financial district where they caused about a million dollars worth of damage and torched four police cars. 
I mean, it's amazing to me seeing these photos of them torching police cars. Like, uh, but there's like a bajillion police there, right? Yeah, there is twenty thousand police. How did people? How did people even get close to a police car? Um, I mean, it just goes to show that um, even twenty thousand police um, can't really predict what two thousand people are going to do. So, okay. I mean, when those two thousand people abandoned their original plan and moved on to another one, the police. Um, with their chain of command, it was probably hard for them to decide what to do. Do they move in? Do they not move in? Like, hmm. I don't know, what kind of action do they take? And so these police cars just got kind of left behind from some kind of plan yeah, B or something? They actually, they actually had to abandon them because um, the protesters were so militant, they had to back off, yeah. and they got, they got torched in the meantime. Well, I, so I wanted to ask you, about, were, were, you guys, were you guys in these, uh, these, some of these rough protests? <laughs> um, we played, we played a, um, I guess, a background role. We weren't really involved in any of it, but we, um, Greg Opperman from Shot in Worcester uh, yeah. went there to take pictures, and we kind of just went to, to take it all in. So you guys were around, but yeah. you weren't you weren't necessarily setting a lot of stuff on fire, no, as if you would say. Do you believe that uh, there's a potential that the Mike's bike being stolen may have been retribution for torching police cars? Um, there is a there's a conspiracy theory going around that uh, uh, the what we locked it to was a honeypot to try and get people to lock their bikes to, so the police would eventually take them. You know, I had read a number of reports that were rather similar uh, in talking about the police cars that were were torched. That uh, there was a strong likelihood, just looking at the markings on them and, and the make and model of the, the cars, that they were left intentionally and quickly mocked up to look like police cars, but kind of left as honeypots so they could identify who the more violent members of the, the groups were going to be. Yeah, that was that was a big thing during the G20. But um, uh, the the thing that kind of debunks that is um, that when the when the black block. Uh, anti-capitalists broke away they actually um, turned the other way and there's a police car following them and uh, they actually there's a police uh, person still inside and they actually um, smashed all the windows and threw some rocks at some cops that were nearby and those were those were two of the cars that were abandoned and left to sit in downtown so this you're okay so like this conspiracy theory about the police somehow I don't know I got dirty what Destroying, destroying police cars is like going to a Motorhead show and making love to a Marshall sack. That is a theory. I wanted to ask you. So I want to ask you, Chris. Like, <laughs> what is the, what is the, uh, what is the deal here? Like, why did you guys go to this? Like, what's the purpose of like rioting in Toronto, a city otherwise full of five million very mild Canadians? Man. And like. What does this do? I mean, you, I mean, so like the G20 meeting wasn't canceled or anything, right? No, it wasn't. Um, and so, what was the uh, like? What do you? I mean, do, do you see there being a constructive effect from this? Um, I think it. I think it was a success in the sense that it showed um, a lot of people um, aren't happy with the G20. The G20 affects a lot of people in different ways. Um, regular Toronto residents were upset that it was kind of their city was turned into a police state with a giant fence surrounding half of it and checkpoints with the military and police and um, uh, I don't know, it goes to show that resistance to G20 is still strong and capitalism as a whole. Was there a lot of protesters too or stuff? Yeah, there's lots of protesters. That's what, that's what led to destroying a police, a police car, yeah, right? Yeah, there's about um, 20,000 people in the street and about 2,000 uh, more militant people. 
in inside of that. I want to ask you in our. Uh, I'm going to ask you about the bike here in a second, but I wanted to ask you. Um, do you, do you, do you, so do you think at all that like uh, I don't know that like the recurring image of these protests is not you know somebody somebody's critique of capitalism, but is instead a burning police car. Yeah. I just want to know if you know if this kind of protest is somehow less constructive than other kinds of protests. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, it's kind of just a fault, the fault of the media. Like, they um, they like to show well, stuff Well, the media didn't broken. set that police car on fire, did they? Yeah, I know, but, I mean, they chose to focus on that. They didn't cho choose to say why people might be angry at the police and how the police tie into the G20. Um, I mean, they had an army of policemen protecting the G20 from uh, the citizens that basically put them into power. So and they choose to just show the fire, not... Um, why people might be upset. Any other questions or comments about this? Uh, just one question. Do you think that if there was not so heavy a police presence at these international meetings that there may be less of a presence for militant um, protesters? Um, I'd say probably. Um, I mean... It seems as though oftentimes when, you, when you're dealing with like riot police and whatnot that it's, it's almost like a planned conflict. Like, you know, it's not... There's a lot of even research out there showing that you know if you've got people who are, are designed to handle uh, crowd control, if they're not wearing body armor and face masks, that even their reaction towards the crowd is oftentimes less uh, hostile. Mm. I'm just wondering if it's you know perceived on your side of things as kind of almost like a a, a riot by design. Yeah, I think um, when police come out in that size and with that type of equipment, it kind of um, uh, gets the idea in everybody's mind that there is going to be a confrontation, and it gets people angry that. Um, uh, police would treat uh, uh, their own citizens like this, their own their own people, basically. That they see them as such a threat that they need to dress up in riot gear. Well, isn't there? I mean, there is a long tradition of riots at these things, whether they're caused by the rioters or caused by the police. I mean, yeah. this is definitely like expected by both sides. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, um, I want to talk about Pharmasphere. Chris Warren, do you know about Pharmasphere? No, I don't know. Well, I'll tell I'll tell you about it, and then you can uh, you can you can be a pundit and comment on it. That's the core. That's the core thing of a pundit is somebody tells you something, and two minutes later you're saying your opinion on television. Um, so this is something which uh, the Telegraphing Gazette, I guess, has reported on, and but mostly I feel like it's the blogs who are putting it together, and I'm a little frustrated that no blog has really put it together 100%. Um, so uh, I guess actually as a prelude. This is interesting to me that uh, the city council next week, I guess, will consider a $1 million loan guarantee to Lake Aerospace LLC to move an amphibious plane manufacturer from Florida to the airport industrial park. Apparently because they're going to make a, a uh, military variant of their aquatic plane. So this is sort of like the little, this is sort of like the little appetizer weird piece of economic development news of the week. Uh, this reminding people of the Pharmasphere thing. So the Pharmasphere thing is this thing where Pharmasphere LLC uh, originally planning to build a $5.5 million facility at the South Worcester Industrial Park at 49 Canterbury Street. That was in uh, early 2008, beginning of 2008. Since then, the number, the size of this facility has grown in the estimates. This is the actual facility, nothing has happened with it. Um, the city put about $2 million into doing road work and other cleanup of the area. Worcester got $147,000 in state money to clean up and market that site. Uh, Tim McGrathy actually knows about this. We should have him on to talk about this sometime. And Pharmasphere will pay the city a dollar for the site. Uh, they have until September of this year to take title. They still haven't taken title. 
they still haven't built this thing. So this lot has been sitting there for uh, two and a half years now, empty. That reminds me that they, uh, the site over Mason Street. It's just like the site over Mason Street, industrial they, they, linens. They sat there, sat there for 2005. I mean, I mean, it takes even longer to Worcester to fill up a hole that does in New York to fill up the freaking World Trade Center. I mean, I mean. Yeah, that's like been up and abandoned. This has been empty for like four or five years now, right? Oh, yeah. That's just before I went to California. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so the the frustrating thing, I guess, for people, Bill Randall claims that one of the abutters offered the city fifty grand for this site, probably do something much less glamorous. I don't know where Bill Randall. If this is actual information in the paper, this is just what Bill Randall's heard from somebody. Um, anyway, uh, recently we have Bill has caught that TerraSphere, which is like the company that more or less owns Pharmasphere and developed the technology that Pharmasphere will use has being bought by a company called Converted Organics Incorporated. This just apparently being the shuffling of the deck of all these companies. The actually, we actually talked about before this pharmacy thing when it first happened. The interesting thing to me is that their their business is basically grow houses. Uh, they were going to build like an industrial indoor garden factory for petunias, I think. For, uh, is it petunias or something else? I think it's like petunias for, in, for some kind of industrial or uh, pharmaceutical chemical that they would extract from them. Yeah, I feel like Worcester just keeps being the ugly Betty at the prom, we we want to court these cool companies and uh, developers to come and uh, do these great things, and we'll even invest, you know, state money to clean up these areas, and then somehow we keep ending up holding the <laughs> the bag, you know, like holding the lot, holding the lot, so to speak. What? No, never ever happened. Just like all those old, old factory buildings off of. Uh, Behind Beacon Street, you're supposed to put trails all in the condos. I mean, they, they're still sitting there. It's a little discouraging to be a resident of Worcester and always be hearing about these great things that are going to come, that are going to happen, and then waiting for a really, really long time and like seeing nothing happen. It just kind of makes you, I think it makes people very skeptical of uh, the folks in charge. I mean, it's like going to Disney World. You expect the same thing to happen, but Worcester is kind of like Disney World. I mean, because you, everybody wants to go to Disney World, it's going to expect the same thing. It's kind of like being in Worcester. You expect the, you expect the same thing that you promised to, and then, then where is it? You know. Do you think Do you think Disney World delivers? Oh yeah. Do you think Worcester delivers? No. Brandon Mellican, I wanted to ask you about this. Also, I wanted to what ask would you. Would be the uh, the Worcester equivalent of the It's a Small World ride. I think it would be the. Now, I'm an adultery heavy missile, brother. There you go. Um, I wanted to ask you, somebody was telling me the other day about, um, uh, you know, like basically, does Worcester actually, does Worcester spend enough money on economic development as it should, proportionate to its size, and arguing that no, it doesn't? This after our long anti-capitalism discussion. Um, well, you know what? No, I, I don't think they do. I mean, that's uh, y you look at the economic development office. There's some really, really good people in there. You mentioned Tim McGurdy already. Yeah. It's probably the one office that, if our stated goal here is to bump up, you know, small and medium-sized business in the city, bring back, you know, some degree of manufacturing and obviously uh, jobs in the private sector, uh, those are the folks that need as much help as possible. Uh, that's obviously the issue is where does that money come from, uh, and you know, what other aspects of the municipal budget would it be pulled from to reallocate over there. But I think the easy answer is no. They probably could use a heck of a lot more funding, and uh, especially in terms of marketing. But probably we could use more funding in any aspect right, exactly. of I mean, the city that we they did something useful. Exactly. You know, I just think Worcester hasn't decided what they want to do yet. I mean, let's look at like Boston and say, what can we do? Just like Boston. I mean, they built that garden hotel over there because Boston was going to have one. 
I mean, Wilson really hasn't figured out what they want to do yet and how to make it work. Because you got a bunch of people say, let's do this one thing, and somebody else says, let's do this, and the third guy says, let's go ahead and uh, do whatever. And so these two things get outvoted. Who's on first? I really hope that I really hope that in September somebody sits down and does a full-blown narrative soup to nuts. Apparently Scott Zovac wrote something about this, which I cannot find online because Worcester Magazine broke all of their links to old articles when they re redid their website. But um, it would be, you know, I'd just like to see a real soup to nuts like this farmer fear, because if they don't pick it up by September, we can call it farmer fear fiasco. What, you know, how did this happen? How does this come about? What are the negotiations? What is this company actually about? Like, what's up with this shuffling of companies? If we were to go with Farmers Fear Fiasco, would you be willing to go Spell get all phonetic and go Oh, of course, yeah? of course. Okay, excellent. Chris Warren, any thoughts on economic development? Um, I mean... Besides smash the state? <laughs> sounds like we might have another Worcester Common Outlets on our hands soon. Another giant abandoned building. Oh, only if only we had an abandoned building. Are you talking about the Farmers Fear thing? Yeah. Oh, see, we don't even have the building, though. It's just a lot. It's just an abandoned lot. This is way worse than Worcester Common Outlets. At least what's coming out of this, we can point at something and, and criticize it. This is just like pointing at, you know, wasted money on yeah. a piece of paper. We'll see if City Square plays out first, I guess. All right, we could build it in City Square. Would local anarchists be willing to help with the demolition of, of what, the existing mall? I mean, that's... Oh, no way. Uh, I'd, love, I'd love to see um, Worcester Common Outlets as a giant, giant social center. I think that'd be awesome if... The, the anarchists in Worcester took it over and took it back for for the community. There you go. That's all I got. Too bad. Thanks for being on the show. Brendan Malikin. Have a good one. Chris Warren, a.k.a. Little Chris. Bruce Russell, a.k.a. The Snow Ghost. Jesse Pack. Bump it. See you later, guys. Enjoy the music.